Did I forget to mention the very? Uh, this would be like your fourth time sitting with me and doing doing an episode. Um, and I think in none of those times have I mentioned how badass you are. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever mentioned that. I think I had meant to. The first time, like right after you left, I was like, oh, you know what I meant to say? You were badass on the episode. And I never got a chance to say it. And then the second time came and went, and I didn't say it. And the third time came and went, and I didn't say it. And here it is. Um, but now that you said it, we have unfinished, no more unfinished business. So what's the well, point of me coming back for number five? Nope. <laughs> this is the last time you're here. This is the last time you're here. Uh, no, uh, that song. You like sent me a YouTube clip to a song that you did the vocals for, and I was like, "This is so good," <laughs> and like the the words that you said in the song were the most important part of the like your part of the song <laughs> was the most important part of that song to me, and uh, I think it still sometimes gets stuck up in my head that song. It's a good song. I do play it for myself sometimes when I'm like, let me get that extra motivational push. The rest of the lyrics don't matter. I know right. what I'm looking for. Right, right, exactly. I'm trying to get to the gravy. Right. What's the name of that song? It's Go. Go. G-O, Squalor Folk, was the name of the band. Go. Yes. But now they're doing all these other things. Amazing things, nonetheless. It's great. Yeah, it's great. You love working with people who, like, go on and do amazing things. Like, of course. I feel like that's part of my path is like every time I link up with someone, it's like right after we, we separate ways, it's like they go do this like amazing thing. And it's just like, oh, I'm so happy. Like I get to be like part of this. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't sat together in over a year to do one of these. And I'm super excited. And I really like I. I don't for like the same way I sit around and talk with you and I'm like oh I have to introduce you to this person or that person or that person I always say that about people when I'm talking about you I'm like oh, I gotta introduce you to my friend Dominique <laughs> it does I do that all the time um, but yeah I'm gonna get you did you did you link up with that Oliver kid he did reply to me I am not that great with noticing when people send me messages because of the it goes into that weird area before, like your friends. Like, it goes oh, into you oh, have to like right, approve right, it. Right, right, right. So I just noticed it, but it was like really late last night. I'm like, okay, I'll get back to him. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, he's on a different time zone. Yeah. So that would be the explanation for that. That makes sense. Uh, um. So, have you done any other po- like now that you got like? Now that you got like Snapchat TV show famous, <laughs> <laughs> right? Snapchat famous. You guys can check it out. Um, Stranded with Sam and Kobe. Snapchat is now having original content. They're kind of turning into like a mini Netflix. So we're not talking about you know ten second videos on my personal Snapchat. Right. I guess saying Snapchat uh, famous makes it sound like you got like a like a premium account. Yeah. <laughs> it sound like some sort of porn thing. <laughs> For sure not. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, and this definitely not because who produced it was uh, the Murray Production Company, who also oh, do really? the Keeping Up with the Kardashians as well. Yeah. And so they're ones that produced it. And again, it's called Stranded with Sam and Colby. And we go into this town uh, called Centralia, and we're going on a paranormal investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and me, I've been doing many, many mediumship, uh, psychic development for the last seven years, uh, very rigorously. 
but this was my first time on a show in public you know vulnerable to judgments and yeah, and not, it's a reality you, show you don't normally put yourself out there like that That's, no it's that a big swing it was a big difference because what I do, it's very impactful, but I'm very behind the scenes, mm-hmm. what I feel like I've, where, where I have been the last couple of years. Like, people know of me, but it's just like, you have to know someone who knows someone, and then you get the, you get the secret password to come see me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been very... I've it's been cantaloupe, very, by the way. What's that? The password is cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. I've been very, very, very lucky to have you now hang with me on the microphones uh, four times at this point. It's always a pleasure. So in front of the scenes, you can hang with me, like, you know, being in front of the camera or in front of the mics, if you will. Uh, but I don't ever see you. I don't ever really see you out there doing other people's projects that much. I mean, I see your own stuff. Right. And like, you're really active on that. And like, you just told me about you know, Yes, I, I just got 55,000 views on my TikTok. <laughs> Go check out my TikTok, guys. It's at Potsitivity. I have pots and I stay positive. And this is how I share my information with the world. Potsitivity. Potsitivity. I did not know that. It's called Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome POTS. Okay. Well, I'm going to follow you right now. Yeah. TikTok is a very interesting. It's like a, it's like Vine, it's like vines all over again. That, but it's a, a little different. Yeah, TikTok is comes from Musically, and then they just changed the name to TikTok, and now it's kind of like taking off again. And um, it's been fun. It's giving me a creative outlet, it's a way to be silly, and but also express some serious. Uh, material, but you know, in a lighter mood. <laughs> no, I mean, the um, the world being as crazy it is as it is the last couple of days. Now, I mean, it's is it Friday. It just, I think yesterday was Friday the thirteenth. Yes, it was. Um, and the coronavirus. Is running rampant. There is crazy paranoia, frenzy going on, and I and I um, was almost sure that we were probably going to postpone doing this. And I was message. I was about to message you to be like, "Hey, we, we, we still want to do this," and you were already messaging me, "Hey, we're still doing this, right?" So it was like it's uh, it's like uh, the the thought process is like we're right on the exact same page with that. Yeah. Um, but what are you? What is your? What is your guide sense telling you when it comes to what this time means? So right now, even at my center, it's been pretty relaxed. We haven't had too much flow of people coming in. Everyone's a little bit scared, and we have to understand that we as people we vibrate a frequency, and it is the regurgitation of the things that we consume. So at the moment, all of the news and outlet medias are just pouring out the same information and we're consuming it on such a mass scale that it's actually reverberating and creating more panic and more fear and affecting us globally by creating this uh, frequency that's so powerful. And I feel like although the mortality rate is very, very small at 1%, 
So it's not really anything more extraordinary than any of some other uh, viruses we had in the past, like the bird flu or the H1N1. Um, I feel like this is going to be a very passing phase for us. I don't feel like the death toll, the guide definitely told me a death toll is going to stay under 2,000 for here. Um, and I feel like once we start making our political chase choices in the next few months, we're going to see this die down a lot, but I feel like it's just going to be more prevalent as the days comes. I don't think it's peaked yet mm-hmm. as far as, um, what they're trying to instill in us vibrationally speaking, that worry, they're trying to plant a seed that's working, you know, they're creating chaos inside of us. And we're becoming like little sheep. Like, oh, no, what do we do? We buy excess toilet paper. (laughs) This morning I was walking. I was walking out my door and my neighbor was walking up to his front door and he had an immense amount of of paper towels. And I went, whoa, that's a lot of paper towels. And he went, yeah, coronavirus, you got a shortage. And and I was like, oh, I didn't want to hear everything about it. I just (laughs) just. I I don't I think I didn't mean to say out loud. Well, that's a crazy amount of paper towels, but like, yeah, you're 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 biting the bait, dude. You are biting the bait, and you know when we look at the brain and what fear does to us emotionally and psychologically, it creates a vibratory state inside of us that actually lowers our immune system. Fear makes us more susceptible to being sick. And what is the coronavirus feeding on? Uh, low immune systems and elderly people. So staying in that place of awareness where, you know, it's not ignoring what's happening in the world. Cause I feel like sometimes I'll say something like, okay, well, do you want me to have rainbows and sunshines? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is prepare for the worst, but remain optimistic. You know, do your due diligence, wash your hands. Don't touch your face, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Don't, don't touch your face. And you know, that's pretty much all you can do. And you know, and move forward. Don't feed into the fear because you're just going to become more susceptible to it. Yeah. yeah. Like the thing I say often is like we're the, we're the bait we bite into. Like pretty often we find ourselves being exactly like what we, what we click on the most. What we, what we focus on the most is what we wind up becoming. It's true. We're uh, creatures of habit. So everything around us, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts in a day. And guess what? They're the same thoughts you had yesterday. And we had a discussion earlier that you just learned that after 35, guess what? You're 95% of that is habitual. So, you know, it's until you really push that 5% that wants to move, that that's the only way you're going to move forward and then make new choices. Because the problem is, is still choosing every day the same choices that you made yesterday and when we do that there's no growth we lose vitality and um when we're in a low vital state we attract things around us that are detrimental to us or what we feel like is detrimental to us at at that time but it's really just at the capacity that we're operating and that's the frequency that we're emitting (laughs) i i uh want to want to tell you much of a pleasure it is to be sitting with you again. Tell me something good. <laughs> it, it, it's, you have this ability to be so positive, but then such a silly goose. It's 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 adorable. It's Aquarius. <laughs> but uh. It's 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 a lot of fun, and um, you know, uh, we were talking about earlier about how like I've 
kind of been falling out of some of my patterns and you're like don't lose yourself don't lose yourself it's like yeah you're so right and you never appear to lose yourself for even moments and you're just genuinely you this whole time and that's what we were talking about that when I was saying about your portrayal the way they you were portrayed in the final edit of that show Stranded that watching that I was like that's you like that was you the entire time but I was like oh but it's reality shows it's manufactured I know how all that goes but like throughout that you didn't lose a cent like even a second of sincerity and like that's exactly who you are from the start but like they didn't really catch your goofballness. No, they want. They actually, you know, asked me to to not be a goofball, to stay more, you know, <laughs> mysterious. Yeah. Uh, but you know me, I'm just, I'm just like everything opposite of what you tell me, and it's just like, no, I am mysterious. <laughs> but then it's like, wait, wait, that's not, that's not it at all. But you know, it's, it's. I thank you, and I appreciate that you, um, you have that perception of me, and about authenticity. And I want to make a statement on that. You know, it's it's not something that is easy to do. It's something that I'm always actively working on maintaining. So, and I am I'm a human being, and I do lose my moments where I'm just like, you know what, I did something I didn't feel was authentic to my being or authentic to my principles. Um, and actually, I can't recognize it right now consciously in, in the manner like I don't have a story. That's what I'm saying. But inside of me, I know my body right now, um, I feel like this overwhelming sense of of emotion inside of me that's saying otherwise. So it's like, yeah, you do work at it, but there's still parts of me that I'm healing from mm-hmm. having had suppressed that when I was younger. Um, you know, I'm like six or seven years old. All the kids are playing and at the beach and I'm my mom tells me this story where I'm at the beach and I have my legs crossed and I want to read a book and I don't want to go play with the kids and I never wanted to play with the kids. And she thought something was wrong with me. But you grew up with the notion that you're you're different, you're odd. Uh, and then when people tend to point that out, you wind up becoming more, uh, you have a bubble around you. You have this wall built up. So it took a long time to realize, you know what, this wall doesn't serve me because all it's doing is creating an aggression because I'm pushing people out from getting to know the real me out of fear of you won't like who that is. Mm. And as I grew up, all of my old friends continued to fall away. And it wasn't until I lost all my youth friends where I found my new identity that I was um, proud of. I wasn't afraid of. And so now when I go do something and someone doesn't recognize or value those traits in myself, I say, that's all right, because... You don't have to see my value for me to see my value. Mm. And I, I feel like that's where I'm at in my life. And once you kind of get into that space, into that mind frame, it's like everything is great. Like your your problems, your your uh, projection doesn't affect me because that's what you're carrying away. I'm going home and be like, Haha, I'm a unicorn. <laughs> like, uh, just because you carry your garbage with you, you car- carry it with you when you leave too. Like, you don't have to leave it here where I'm at. You take it with you where you go. That's, that's a, that's like a really, that's, that's pretty key. Like, and it's so rare on top of that. I, I I don't know if it's a rarity, but I feel like we have just not been shown how to. Our parents didn't know how to. 
or to find the value in how to be authentic. Think about it. Women roles and gender roles or just gender roles in, in, in general. You have the men being the person who has to bring the food, I mean, or bring the money so that the woman can cook the food and take care of the house and the 2.5 kids. There's this pre-program of who we should be and identity was never one of them. So now it's like you have these new generations who are asking questions. Wait a minute. I don't feel like I fall into these labels or these predetermined categories that my parents and their parents gave them. And I don't feel like that's true from my life. So now I have to find without a roadmap and without guidance, my personal individual identity. Um, And the great thing about that is that me finding my identity gave me a beautiful chance to reconnect with my own mother. Um, And she's finding her identity. And and we had a talk the other night and and she weeped a little bit. And she's like, thank you for going down this path. Like everyone doesn't see, oof, I'm getting emotional, how difficult it is for you because you're carving out a path that everyone just gets to walk through. You had to carve it for us. Mm. And it's changed my life. What it made me think of was like um, a conversation I had with my brother like a while ago. I talked about understanding. And, and this goes even st- still to learning that new information you said about well, like that 35 years old <laughs> is like when you've got, when you like, when you kind of like cement it, right? But I think about our parents and I think about how ill equipped they were. And I think about the the empathy and the putting myself into their shoes. And I go, I'm already at an age where my parents both had multiple, way, way too many kids, way over their heads. I can't, I can't now go, my, my problems come from their problems. My problems got to be my problems now. And yeah. their problems, their problems can't, can't weigh on me now. And that's yeah. why, like I was saying, I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about uh, we were talking about our, our dads and you were like, yeah, mine just didn't want me. Yeah. I'm like, well, you, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for what you are. Like, that's his loss. That's totally his loss. Like my, my dad, the same thing. I say like my little sister never really got to grow up with my dad. I'm like, you, you know how much of a loss that was for him versus how much of a loss it was for you. For you, you got you know, you got to, you got to grow to be such a, a, a beautiful, inspiring person, and it's his loss that he didn't get to see that. And that's the same thing I see with you when you talk about your dad didn't want you. It's like it wasn't you. It's not personally you that he didn't want. He didn't want an extra, an extra responsibility. He wasn't ready for it because mm-hmm. he was probably too young. He was probably. Insert reason here. Insert, insert yeah. excuse. Yeah. Insert excuse like, um, you know, too broke, too scared, too hungry, too, too tired, working too much, working too little. And, you know, when we look at these kind of relationships, um, we choose our parents before we come into this lifetime. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. And we choose what we want to learn. So I feel like we definitely could not become the people that were destined within our soul's mission to be had we had other influences that would have been there that actually weren't so like if he had stepped in maybe i would have became a drug dealer i don't know you know it it could have went any way well you know your your path isn't that's the coronavirus guys (laughs) 
Corey's giving it to me right there. It is. <laughs> like, you never know when your 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 path is fully what your path is going to be. Like, you need these things to happen. Right. Like, you joined the army. You yep. were a tank mechanic. Like, that that was something you thought was going to be part of your path, not not your entire path. The same, like, everything becomes like there's. You've seen the secret, right? Oh, we have all seen the secret. And, and the secret, and he's like, you know, the the headlights. You see two hundred. You see two hundred feet in front of you, but you know there's more road there, right? You know there's more road there beyond what light you see, so you keep going. That's that's like what you're, you know, you're fulfilling the the deal you made with your friend. That's the deal that you f- fulfilled that you made with yourself to. To go and do that and yeah. have that be a part of the purpose. And, you know, we start to think, like, well, why do these bad things happen to me? I didn't choose for this bad thing to happen to me. And, no, you didn't choose for those bad things to happen, but you wanted to gain a lesson. And universe will present these same lessons to you in many formats. So what you did was you resisted the way it should have went. And those what I call tower moments, the collapse of every foundation that we have, that's when you think, oh, these bad things are happening to me. I didn't choose this. But when it was presented to you in a different way, you just weren't seeing it. And so then it has to be more extreme and more extreme and more extreme until the point you're like, wake up. There's a pattern here. What's the repetition? Why is this happening? And your body's calling out to you. Your soul was calling out to you. Your situations are calling out to you for, for reflection. I mean, I feel sometimes like enough people don't call on their experiences to get them through the next one. So you've lived through all this stuff just so you can become a victim to the next thing instead of learning from those other things that you've lived through so that you can make that enough. Like, that can be... Now, something you learn from, and it, I'm 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 an example of this living and breathing. Like uh, I just lived through a bunch of shitty experiences, and I'm going through the exact one, another one that's very similar to it. And I'm like, what do I have to learn from this? What do I have to learn now? So <clears throat> it's 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 a it's a weird thing. And like you were probably telling me, or you were telling me earlier, like you somehow convinced yourself that you deserve this, and. I think you're right. Victimization mentality is a learned trait. Mm-hmm. And we learn this from our, we, we learn this when we're little. So up to the age of six, we don't have a filter. And everything that happens around us is basically the foundation of everything after that. It builds on that. And when we hear our parents say, oh, if so, if this particular thing didn't happen, we would have more money or If this particular thing didn't happen, we'd be better off. Or if this person wasn't around, I'd be happier. And we start to put into ourselves that there's conditions to our happiness. Um, And they're deep-seated beliefs. I grew up in the hood, so therefore I'm going to just be a drug dealer. And that's because that's my environment and I know nothing else. If we push the body greater than the situation that we're growing up in, just even if it's 2% greater than our situation, we get a leg up. 
we get more stronger than this, the, the situation around us and we gain the capacity for change. So that victimization that you've learned, you can learn to release. I feel like I had that victimization mentality when I got divorced because my uh, divorce ended with my husband coming back from Iraq and me not going on me staying behind but uh, doing recovery. So it kind of felt like, damn, I was supposed to be there. And had I been there with him, maybe he wouldn't have came back the way he came back. So then I put all of this guilt on myself, like the should have, would have, could have, the things I should have done and how I felt like less of a soldier because I didn't go. And there was just all these expectations that I placed on myself. And I became a victim of myself. And to the point, to the, to the detriment of both me and my ex-husband at the time, um, where we couldn't move from the place that we were in. You know, you have 18-year-olds getting married. You know, he was only tw- 20. So you coming back from Iraq is 18-month tour. You know, it's like, how does how do two young people deal with that? And I was, I was actually, ta- I was, I don't think I told you this story. But I've said it, forgive me, people who have heard this story on the podcast before. But um, I, I, was, uh, I was at a bar after a show. This guy came up to me and he was talking to me about my performance on the show, and his wife liked me and stuff. And he was young; he was so young. I was like, "Your wife? You're just a kid. What, what are you talking about?" Like, and and then he introduced me to his wife, and I was like, "Why did you get married so young?" And he was like, "I don't know, blah 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 blah." And then wound up being that he was in the military. Uh, yeah, military. And, and I was like, "Why do you guys all do that? Why do you get married young all the time like that?" And he was like, "Well, I'll tell you why I did it." And I was like, okay, please tell me. He's like, she was the she was the first woman I cried in front of. Oh. And I was like, okay, well, um, I, I I can understand that. Like I've had that with with women before, but like I had to marry them before that. <laughs> like, and then I told him like about how like I like I. Um, Some of my clients are full grown fifty year old men who've never cried a day in their life. So that can be a Im- very impactful moment. And I, was like, I told the guy the story of, I told the guy the story of how I cried to my my girlfriend at the time, once about like a memory of my dad stomping me in my lower back, like when I was sitting when I was laying on the dining room floor or the kitchen floor, and I cried like real hard for that. And he's like, you just told me that, and we met five minutes ago. Like, yeah, I mean I'm. Why am I gonna Why am I gonna avoid saying, like, real stuff, if it's gonna help us learn something or grow, go grow from it? So he was like, "Can you go outside with me real quick?" So we went outside. He told me this. He told me what he was crying about with his wife, hmm. and he was crying again outside, talking to me about how he's twenty two, twenty four, or something like that, and he had already taken two hundred and thirty lives, and he had to live with that karma on his soul, and he doesn't know where he's going to go. But um, I just held space with him and talked with him. And he was telling me about the frustrations he has with people thanking him for his service. And this is some why now I want to have this conversation with you because you've served. And you've served alongside people. And you've probably had these kind of conversations with people. What is your experiences through that? I feel like every individual soldier is different and some of them, some of them have kind of like, that's been their pride and joy coming back and taking lives for some. 
But those people that I've seen that have been super hurrah about it, they're failing with keeping their world contained. They're, uh, you know, they're homeless or bouncing from house to house. They're unstable. They're unstable. Um, but, you know, being in the military gives you a sense of unity and you're doing something for the greater good. So it gives you that sense. So I can't sit here and say, okay, well, that's good or bad, you know, um, because it's not my, my journey and it's not my place. And everyone has their own perspective on that. But what I have learned that it is a very difficult thing for many soldiers to burden that and have the systems, uh, have the system fail them. Um, you know, I have plenty of friends who, you know, are, are in the VA system and they need treatment and all they do is they just get pills thrown at them. And somewhere like how, uh, where I am open and inviting all the veterans to come in and try something different, but we're so programmed to believe like there's this only one way, you know, we're Westerners. Uh, <laughs> we're Westerners says like so much, um, that there's only one way and that's either therapy vocal or pills. And there's so many other options. Pretty good friend of mine had a neighbor that was uh, was uh, getting help through MDMA. What do you think of that? There's so many beautiful um, studies, and you know, I think of MDMA like the way they're they're giving it. It's in a structured set- setting. So if we look at it, you can think of this kind of ritualistically speaking because they're repeating the same tests over and over and over. When we do something over and over with the same intention, guess what? We call that. We call that ritual. <laughs> so, right. So if we look at um, ayahuasca as an example, um, I'm just going to compare it to that. You know, these are things that are life changing. Sometimes it takes a little bit of belief from someone else. And the, with the substance, it's helping you release something that you other otherwise have just suppressed so far deeply inside of you. You never want to see the light of day again. So it's nice that they have somewhere safe where someone's holding space for them and that they can be themselves. And, man, I couldn't even imagine having to have those kind of burdens inside my soul without not being able to express them. So I think that in itself, the ritual is beautiful and it's helping people. Didn't really answer the question of why do young people in the military get married so young? Well, about the benefits? I feel, for, from what my experience is, as I can't say for everyone, I have noticed that you're moving place to place. The person you want to stay with, girlfriend, boyfriend, in order for them to go place to place with you, you have to be married. They can't take them with you otherwise. Um, in addition to that, I got married so young, so I'll just speak for myself. I was turning 18, and I was in the Army for just a few months, and I got my marching orders to go to Iraq for 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I had just fallen in love with my then-boyfriend, and uh, I don't think I might come back. So if there's a possibility of me dying, I want to go ahead and live what I want. I love you. I want to be with you. So let's go because there might not be another chance. So it was more about seizing an opportunity. And in retrospect, I don't regret it because I felt like at the time that was what I needed to do no matter what. And because it led me down this amazing, crazy path that I'm on now. And it let me see how war affects my friends and and my lover and um, myself and how to move through that. Not get past it, 
because it's something that stays inside of you but move through it and not let it define me or not let it uh create uh, a future that is unrealistic for me based on what has happened in the past not carrying it forward do you think that it has something to do with like having something to go home to having something to look forward to something to root you down something to ground you i would say for some people sure that's definitely a part of it the verbiage as well like a like a but some people do it for the benefits too. Don't get it twisted. Like, you know, some of them just go, okay, you've been my girlfriend. Might as well marry you. Right. You get benefits if, when I'm gone. Right. And, uh, like, uh, like a John, John Mulaney. Do you know John Mulaney? He's a stand-up. It sounds familiar, but he I... Does, he does a bit where he says, uh, he's like, he's like, <laughs> it sounds so much better to be like, when I'm getting on the airplane, I'm like, can my wife come with me? And they're like, yeah, come it sounds so much better than when I'm like, can my girlfriend come? It's true. And, you know, um, being. Like, <laughs> I'm writing a letter to my wife versus I'm writing a letter home to my girlfriend. Yeah, I don't think the I don't use the word boyfriend. I don't like the word boyfriend. Um, I have been with my partner. That's the verbiage I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight years. Mm-hmm. He is not my husband, but he is my life partner. And that is what I choose. He is the person. He's my person. So. I don't like that boyfriend, girlfriend. I feel like it's demeaning. I know that sounds like really silly, but I feel like my person is greater than a boyfriend. A boyfriend is a boy who's my friend. It, it does seem juvenile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely seems my, my, my partner is man. So, you know, I want him to know that he is a definitely a man. It's it's kind of a weird thing. It's like the the space we're in, and it, this is kind of like a thought I always had, like like uh, Long Island Medium. <laughs> You'd watch the show, and Teresa like, Caputo. Walk, yeah, Teresa. Yeah, she like walk through a store and be like, "Okay, I have to give you. I'm hearing things, <gasps> and I have to, I have to give you this message." No, friend. No, no. You're, this has backfired on me. This, this has backfired on me. This is not a but good that's idea. A TV show. Like that was the same thing. It was like, I felt like they might try to do that to you. And that's why I was like, Oh, is this going to be what happens now? I mean, but, uh, it hasn't happened, <laughs> but do you ever feel like you, you've got to give messages? I know you said that backfire. It does backfire. Okay. This is, this is, <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you why I hit backfired. <laughs> So what had happened was, is one of those stories, so you get your cup of tea, y'all, because it's a one, what had happened was story. Yeah, what had happened was, there was this guy, he came around, and this is the first time this has ever happened to me, where there's a spirit next to someone who is like, yo, give this person a, a message for me. And I'm just kind of like, a little bit losing my shit, because it's my first time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, should I tell this guy? What if I'm wrong? What if I'm making this up? Is this even real? So I'm like... No, 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 no. He wouldn't shut up. The guy wouldn't shut up. And I could hear him clear audiently, which for you guys, for you muggles, that is clear hearing. And um, I hear him clear audiently. And I just had to stop this guy's conversation. And I just like stopped him mid-sentence. I said, Mike's with you. And he just looks at me. And Mike who? I don't know what Mike. Oh, Mike from your soccer team. You guys played soccer and you were on the same team. And he goes, oh, that's Mike. And I said, yeah, and he's here. Well, wait, I don't remember the last name. And um, 
he's like, and I'm he's here to give you the message that he was sorry about the accident. And then he just looks at me. Can I curse on here? He was like, fuck, Mike. I wouldn't have been. That car accident cost me so much. He needs to go where the fuck he's coming from. He was so angry. But Mike came to say sorry. And what happened was Mike had overdosed in his car. And a whole thing came from it. But Mike was sorry. And so that put a little bit of rain in my sunny day. <laughs> and so I learned to, <laughs> to not um, do that. However, in the neighborhood, I, I get free pass. I don't know why. But when I go to the neighborhood, that's the gay neighborhood in Philly, for those who don't know. Um, when I go to the neighborhood, it's like I get a free pass. It's like, I don't know if it's the energy or the seeking. I really do think that when I'm in the neighborhood, the vibrational frequency is that of seeking, wanting to know. And I think that's why I'm allowed to give messages there. But I have gone up to drag queens and random people and go, hey, you. So I was um, watching a drag queen on the, on the show. And she's like, what do you do for a living? And she points to me. And I'm like, oh, here it goes. I could just say, but I was like, nah, let's say the re- let's say what's really happening. I'm a psychic medium. Oh, you a psychic medium, girl. Come over here. So I go up to the stage. Tell me something about me. And I'm like, all right. Two seconds later, I was like, I'm sorry that you and your father are having such a difficult time. And you have so much anger towards him. This really needs to be let go because you're holding it. And I showed her in her body where she was holding it. I listened to the body. And she just has this like stoic face on. Like in disbelief. And she gets the microphone. Y'all, you know what this means? Do you know what she's saying, y'all? And she's so right. And she, you know, it just completely flipped the switch for me. And um, she was very happy. And it seems like I attract a lot of people on their birthdays when I'm in the neighborhood. And that's when messages come through and, you know, um, people enjoy them. Yes. As long as it's not from the from the guy named Mike. <laughs> so that was the first and only time that ever happened that backfired? Well, that was not the first and only, but that was definitely the first. I mean, that was my, you know, the, the peak of what could happen. And I learned how to navigate that. And, you know, that was seven years ago. So I just learned how to navigate that. Sometimes I, I know when to keep my mouth shut. I went to visit my um my partner's aunt, and she's probably never going to hear this podcast, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I went to visit them for Christmas. Been with him eight years. Never met them. Go inside. Dead people next to her. I grab his hand. I'm just like, I hope, in Morse code, I hope you know what I'm trying to tell you right now. Because <laughs> there, there's dead people in here. Hope you're figuring it out. Uh, so I'm like no I can't just tell I can't bombard her I literally met her two seconds ago and there was like 50 people in the Christmas room so you know I've learned to to walk away but I have been in like a Walmart or something where I'm just like damn it I gotta do that do I gotta do that now and I will it just depends on the guides um even if I'm afraid they'll push me and I get over myself well like we've had the conversation on here before about you being afraid and being pushed anyway, mm-hmm. like a lot. Like there was that that trip that you were gonna take last year, that you know that you were you were dealing with a lot of fear going into that. My India trip, dun dun dun. But I mean, through through that falling through, you got to do stranded this TV show. Yeah, this is something that it didn't fall through though. No, I know. For 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 the people yeah. on the air, 
I actually had to make a choice because yeah. so you guys heard my whole tada leaving. Mm-hmm. And what winded up happening was the guides, after talking to Corey, um, gave me a heads up that there was going to be a legal situation and a choice that had to be made. This was a, rep- a repetitive theme quickly. A few months pass. And all of a sudden, I had to give a first, last, and security deposit to my landlord, although I had been in that building for several years already, and she wanted it now and then, and that was my trip money. And coincidentally, which those are words that deceive, I'm going to make air quotes for that, because it's not, it's synchronized. Um, March 1st, uh, I have my acceptance to the university, uh, Nityananda University in India, and March 1st was the day I also needed to give her about uh, four grand so <laughs> it was like choices so I, I decided to stay another year and here we are here we are the year ends actually tomorrow it was March 1st but my my lease is the 15th okay okay mm-hmm. cool cool so the when did you shoot the series we shot last year Almost right after I didn't go to India, it was like, oh, we're so sorry you didn't go to India. But here's a surprise. And um, it was like towards the end of March. (laughs) Universe hooked it up, girl. You know, I got connections. So she had someone already. The production company had already a medium. Mm -hmm. And suddenly she needed surgery. And so she was looking for medium in New York. And somehow there was a glitch in the computer. That led to her finding me. And then upon our first conversation, I, she answers the phone. She tells me what she's about. We schedule an interview. I come back for the interview a few days later. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I know you're introducing yourself and telling me things about the show, what we're going to be doing. Um, or, you know, explaining it to me. But I can't talk to you right now. And she's like, what? I'm like, you have a phone next to you that's contaminated. It's full of... It's full of like an attachment and I can't even hear you over that. And she just goes, uh, 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 uh. that's exactly why I'm calling you. We went to this location and something's wrong with the phone. And they sent me a video of the phone and it was actually typing coordinates continuously by itself. And there had been an attachment on it, but she didn't mention the phone. I mentioned it and she's just like surprised that I knew it was there. So we did a release of an attached attached entity on there and this was supposed to be my interview mind you so interviews out the effing window right now i'm just doing my my weird aquarius girl thing (laughs) and so i'm releasing the attachment there and i'm full-blown crying on the phone with them because the attachment that was connected that was creating the havoc was of a young person and when i saw it in my clear uh clear uh why am i losing my mind right now my clear vision my clear cognizance or my clear knowing rather um i saw melted skin off the bottom of feet touching the floor and then this was before i even knew anything about centralia that they were that's where they were going and uh he was like charred like burned and um as i continued the clearing he was trying to be a trickster and show me scary things and once i finished the clearing he actually found love and I started crying because I was so overwhelmed with this love and I saw the light in him walk into the light and then we're on speakerphone. Um, they're on speakerphone on their end and I'm on speakerphone with them. And I hear the people in the room all go, Whew, as soon as I finished clearing and you could feel the energy shift and unbeknownst to them that those sighs were them reacting to the, the quantum shift. 
And so my interview became more of a uh, audition. an audition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we so everyone was crying. We had to cut the interview, quote unquote, short. And they said, can, can we just recompose and call you back in an hour? And I said, yeah, yeah, I guess that would be fine. And so that kind of cemented cemented that for me. Where's the production? Was like the production company based probably in New York, right? Uh, L.A. L.A. Okay, and then we were supposed to be skyping. This yeah. was this phone call was just to say that the computer wasn't the computer wouldn't go on Skype for whatever reason, okay. and then that's when I started to feel all this static and it was painful. Mm-hmm. It feels like um, you ever hear those like tinnitus sounds or like the ee- like those high screechy sounds, electricity sound, mm-hmm. or like feedback on a speaker. It was like a lot of that, but like um, mixed with somatic sensations which means you know physical physical pain and then when we drove here's the kicker we drove to that location and before we pulled up i was like what the hell where are we and then the producer's like oh that's where the phone was Mm -hmm. so when we were driving all those miles i didn't know anything about it I picked the exact spot where they picked up the entity in the attached phone. Oh. And, and they all just kind of looked at me like I had eight heads for knowing that. But I'm like, you guys hired me for a reason. So that phone call wasn't in L.A. That phone call was in Central. No, they had already came back. They didn't want to even shoot there. Okay. They were too afraid. And they actually asked Snapchat to um, change the location. They did that back and forth for several days. And then um, Snapchat, I guess, I don't know why, but... I think Snapchat was looking at another medium instead of me. Um, I guess maybe they thought I was too old for the demographic that they have. And then... Um, well, I mean, Snapchat's for kids. It is. and But the production company was like, if you guys don't take Dominique, we're not t- picking up this show. Right. So they literally put their foot down and said, if if it's Dominique or we just don't do it. Because right. they were afraid. They had just had this really bad experience. I had a, I had a, when you were telling me about getting that show, I had such a really cool feeling like... Yo, my friend's about to blow up. Boom. I was like, my friend's about to blow up. And it's happening. Yeah, it's it's funny. It was like, to me, you're already a star. You're already a Thanks, fan. friend. So I'm I'm your biggest fan. I don't I mean, and I already said this in the car and you made a you made a silly goose statement, but <laughs> but like I a hundred percent support you all the time. Thank you very I much. I always wanna I always wanna be part of your team. I always Aww. wanna be your resource, however you need one. I really appreciate that. You want to talk somebody judgment free? I'm here for you. Thank you. You want to, you want to uh, escape, escape your space. Come here, hang out here. It's fine. Always welcome. Always Thank welcome. you so much. And um, I think you know what's next. What's next? What I normally ask on the podcast. I don't know if I, I don't know if I was asking this yet, but um. I I found myself in a YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> and in this YouTube rabbit hole, I found a lot of, like, time travel conspiracy theories. Oh, is that where we're going now? Uh, Let's yeah. do it. All right. Time travel conspiracy theories. So from that, we're not going to really talk about the conspiracy theories of the time travel. I mean, I can get into that at any time. We won't go in the weeds. I got it. But that, But that got me thinking. Like this right now, I, I, I'm very fond of the fact that this audio is going to outlive us and this body of work is going to outlive me um, in, in like 
in like 25 years, say your stepson comes across this. This is you. Let's say oh, I'll you're be, not, I'm not on this plane anymore. Personal prediction, y'all. I will be blowing up. He, Dominique Rivera will be definitely a name to be remembered. So what is the specific message? What is the specific message? Someone wanted to find out what Dominic Rivera is right here, right now, in this audio time capsule, audio time travel. What are you saying in 25 years to whoever's listening to this? Just keep healing. You know, don't be, don't be the programming from the editor before you. Be your own Wikipedia. Change the information. Fill in the blanks and write your own story. And you're going to notice that as you're writing it, man, all the beauty and joy comes from that. And you, you'll find it. So I just have this real deep belief that if I can do it, anybody can do it. And just surrender. And when you're afraid, sit with it, but move forward. And if anyone's going to doubt you, don't believe it because no one's inside of you. No one can. No one knows your limits, only you. And you create and change them whenever you like. You will always have the power to change yourself. You just have to act on it. So, any conspiracy theories that you that you buy? You know what? Conspiracy theories. I used to be really big into that before I went metaphysical. Conspiracy theories are always my thing. And it's like now, it's not that I'm away from them, but I perceive them differently. Like this whole time travel thing, right? Um, you can like time is not one directional. It's fluid, right? So when we do healings now that I work, been doing this seven years. I'm still a baby though for a lot of, you know, for reference. Um, we work with going into the past and healing in the past and then having a now, a present reaction to that and then that carrying forward. So what you thought you knew, you're taking content from what you thought you knew and when you project it into the future, you're creating a, a future based on what you thought of the past. So that's what you think you're propelling to. But that's bull. That's bull. It is bull. Because once you heal those um, outdated beliefs from the past, you completely wipe out all the possibilities for that repeating, that repetition, or for that known. And when you're in the unknown, guess what? You're in the state of creation. And you can only be in the state of creation if you're in a state of balance. And then you'll be able to make new choices and those new choices will create new experiences, which then stay cemented because of your emotional state. And you become a new person. You change. You shift. I feel like I am repeti- repeating change, shift, 2020, year 2020. It's now. It's happening. Yeah. Are you going to start your own podcast too? Universe has been knocking on my door. Yeah. Corey's been yelling at me for four years. <laughs> And um, I had gotten an offer recently to make a podcast, and I don't know. I feel it. I you do know, feel it. I there, feel it. There are people who I want to have their own podcast, not only because I think they have such a unique perspective, but I want to have more podcasts that I can be guests on. <laughs> I just want to come over and eat your food. I, yeah, I just want to come over and do your be a, be a guest on your podcast, and I think that it would be. It would be uh, a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of healing, 
love yeah. healing uh, on your podcast. I feel like that's like a a super a super prevalent theme whenever you're around, whenever anyone's around you. They probably leave more healed than they were when they showed up. Or very, very aggravated. <laughs> um, you know, um, I guess you could say my I'm a contrarian for a lot of people. They see me that way. And so I push people to uncomfortable boundaries within themselves. Well, you know, my perspectives of life. <laughs> yes. Of, of, of something they're unaware of. And put, trying to put me in that box creates frustration for a lot of people. People mm-hmm. just get pissed off not being able to solve me. Like I'm some riddle. Like I'm just, I'm showing you who I am. And people just always try to find like, but why? But why is she showing me that part? You know, and they project. It's it's something like that Occam's razor thing. Like the, you know, the Occam's razor is like whatever the, the most logical answer is. That's absolutely what it is. Okay. Like that's, so people are like, Oh well, she said he's got problems with she's got problems with his dad because most dads would hate drag queens. Of course, she's gonna think that you know, and that would be like the Occam's razor. Like, oh, she's oh. really got to figure it out. She can just read people well. Yeah, I'm giving like general context to some of my stories because, guys, if I gave you like all the details of everything, you would be yeah. like, we'd run out of time. Yeah. But there was some more specifics. And the thing about mediums is that when we give a message, it kind of just deletes out of our brain. Right. So if I don't write it down, I'm only going to remember like a fraction, a fraction do of you it. Know, do you know Joseph Tittle? No. Uh, a medium, Joseph Tittle. He's been on the, on the show, on the podcast. But, um, he he did a he did a um I guess a session at my mom's house years ago, um, and he, we had like recorded it. It was funny, like we we think about it because all of us have a memory so clearly of that day of him being like something that has to do with Bud, and it was like. I'm seeing Budweiser. I don't know what Budweiser. My grandmother's dog was named Buddy. Cute. And he was on the couch looking at him while he was communicating with my grandmother. And it's like something. A woman is saying thanks. Some thanks for Buddy. Thanks for taking care of Buddy and something like something like that. And Buddy was like staring right at him. And then when we listen back to the audio, it's not on there. How do we all remember that? And it's not on the uh, it's not on the the file. I don't get that. And it's not something that I don't believe didn't happen. You know, readings it's like I am just giving you information objectively and you then you put it into your perspective right. of whatever fits the narrative, right? So it's not that I'm saying I'm going to give you some general blank terms and then you kind of make it fit your life. But, um, you know, he's trying to get you the bud, the buddy, you know, you're going to recognize that as, oh, okay, talking about the dog. Right, right. So, you know, he's just giving it to you in, in that way. And funny thing about the bud, and, you know, it took one time, I was telling this lady, you know, this is your dad, and he's showing me himself. He's sick towards the end of his life. Sometimes people drive, die, like, instantly, but he was sick. And he's showing that he can't walk, and he's showing that um, he's very weak, and he's showing mucus. And she's like, no, 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 that's not him. And then I see him in my inner vision, and he kind of gives me this look like a, like, what the hell you mean it's not me? It's me. And he's, like, demonstrating, like, it's me. And then he goes, 
like this to me. He shows one finger, like, hold on, let me give you a different view. So then he goes like this, put his arms on his hips, and he goes, I'm strong. And I go, okay, he wants me to tell you he's super strong. And because I had described him visually, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I described him incorrectly. I had described him with long hair and long beard. And I was like, the reason he was showing me that is because he wants you to know he's a hippie. And then she just goes, oh, that is him because he's showing me long hair, long beard. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, that's not him. I'm like, no, 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 that is definitely him. And he's a hippie. And then that's when it all clicked. And then he said, just in case you were questioning it, Miller time. Mm-hmm. And she started cracking up. She's like, he would drink that every day. Oh, that's nice. So, you know, sometimes they just kind of give you like these little random, random clues to, to send it home. It's weird. Like, um, I don't know if you are if you ever saw there's a Penn and Teller show that was yeah. on Showtime. Did you see? They that? were like debunking all the magic. Bullshit was mm-hmm. was the show, and it like it had a couple medium sessions where they sat in. I think it was like one with like John Edward or something, and a couple other ones. I didn't see those they, with the John Edward. I think they like debunked a, a few things, and I was like, I think that I think that no one's trying to. F you over. I think you're looking for that too hard. I think I don't think that it's it's weird because I I get in my moments where I'm like, now if John Edwards was doing this for free, mm-hmm. nobody would blink an eye at this. It's the moment that a spiritual person's receiving money right. or uh, making a name for themselves financially. Oh, they don't. Why do they deserve to be famous? I do this and I. And for the most part, they're not charlatans. They're not. And it's just people see what they want to see. And at the end of the day, you have to realize this one individual person who's being prosecuted to, you know, like, or whatever the word is, you know, throwing stones at him. He's just trying to help people, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's not always comfortable for him. Right. Yeah. I think there was a, a documentary, An Honest Scoundrel, I think it was called, where this guy was like, like debunking people's magic, like magicians' magic tricks and stuff. And that was pretty interesting. It's like, it's easy to go like, wow, do I really believe everything that's been said to me or whatever? But when it comes back to it, I told you this the first time we sat together and I was like, you know, part of, part of who I've become is through knowing, knowing about channeling and like Abraham Hicks Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I was like, some of that, is all sort of in my in my um my my um, internal repertoire it's like my bones it's inside my bones like it's part of it's kind of what fe- fills my marrow yeah and I, I it's i go back to like oh what do i even believe what do i even think anymore and like like i and that should be a constant question on everybody's mind and i, I mean and it makes me go like, oh, how sincere am I? How genuine am right. I? Right. Because I'll go. Taking stock. I'll go and sit in ceremony. I'll go sit in ceremony and have an experience of my life. And then after it would be like, I don't know, even if there isn't, is there even a God? Is like who created this? Is there even a creation or is it uh, back to Occam's razor? It's just some elements and it's it's tough to, it's tough to fully commit to knowing I've never been somebody to put my heel into the dirt and be like, I know everything that I know and you can't teach me anything else. 
or tell me anything different. And that's when we stop learning, when we get that mindset. I can't be that. I can't be like, yep, I've got it all figured out, or yes, I don't have it all figured out, because I just, I'm willing to bend. Yeah. I just, (laughs) the last episode I was talking about, I, uh, there's this country song from like the 80s that got stuck in my head randomly yesterday, and I was talking about the lessons you learn in your life. I was like, a song about a tree that bends in the wind. And then I started talking to my mom about it. My mom started singing it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this makes a whole lot of sense. And it was like, wow. It was like Tanya Tucker. Tanya Tucker from like the 80s. I don't know what. It was like, it's like, God. Man, it was, it was stuck in my head all day this morning. <laughs> Man, what a, but it was like, um, the relationship is, there's a tree out in the backyard that never has been broken by the wind because hmm. it learned to bend. Our love will last forever if we're strong enough to bend. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's not just about your love, but it's about your life. And yeah. It's a, it's a big metaphor for zoom out. Like, yeah, there's going to be big gusts of wind that come. You can bend or you can snap. Yep. And, uh, my my ideas and beliefs are always bending and never snapping or staying strong to what they are because and the world continues to change. You know, this is something that if you want to evolve, just like <laughs> evolve with Corey, you have to be able to bend. You have to be able to shift. And then when you hear something that doesn't resonate with you, not shut it down, but kind of like, you know, you can put a pin in it and then let it sit. See how it feels. Does it change anything afterwards? And then whatever you can, whatever value you can take away from it, you can put it into your permanent hard drive. Can I tell you something? Um, something. This is gonna be. This is be something I don't think I've ever talked about on the podcast before. Okay. But it's something that I kind of unboxed about myself recently, and I uh, talked about it with people who probably wasn't safe to talk about it with. Hmm. And I'm not gonna get into like really specifics, but I had a medical problem and this was probably when I was like 24 so it was probably 12, 13 years ago and I'm really nervous to talk about this Uh, the guy told me he was a Reiki master and that he could help me and he talked me into masturbating so he could touch me in a right spot that would heal me of the, and the more and more I'm thinking about it, I just felt abused. And it made me feel like I got duped, like I got suckered into this. And I told somebody else who experienced the same experience with the guy who said that he didn't let that guy do that. But the guy was always pushing for it. And there's other people. And I'm like, I don't want to expose this person. But like, I know that what this was isn't right. Why don't you want to expose this person? It's not worth it to me. It's, it's not. I mean, I'm, it sucks that it happened. But um, I don't. I don't know. But 
had you known this person had those traits prior to going to him? No, no, I had no, I mean. But that's because no one has spoken up. But he, he was like. And I'm sorry that that has happened to, to you. He like tried to hypnotize me and he was like, you have a lot of groin problems. And I did have, I had a pulled groin at the time. So it made sense. Right. And he was like, it was like a, he was like a physical, it was like a, a physical after a wrestling show. So he was like, like hired by the promoters to give help to any of the, of the wrestlers. And he overstepped, I think. Definitely. And, um, I, my, my, My my moments of getting to that spot on my own or with a partner have been changed since then. That's something that stuck with me for this whole time, and I never, I've never talked about it publicly before, but I got I got taken advantage of by someone who was in a position. To, to then say all this stuff about like hypnotizing and Reiki and is unfortunately this person came to you already in a position of power because they had come through the wrestling so you thought it was a verified safe source mm-hmm. so you had already given them this kind of sense of authority it's over over you mm-hmm. and just for the people who are listening to this um, this is definitely an uncommon thing. Um, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. Obviously it did for you. And I'm I'm very sorry about that, but don't ever allow anyone to, if you feel uncomfortable with something, ask questions why. And even if it still doesn't sit right with you, you have your power to say no and walk away. And, um, and I'm sorry that he took that kind of power from you. Have you seen my finger before you even mentioned where, what the situation was, I was already connecting with you. Um, but, you know, today you had a Reiki session with me right. for the first time and it was appropriate. Yeah. And that's kind of like what you should expect from anybody working on you. Um, America laws don't let people touch your groin mm-hmm. or your breast area. Swedish laws are different. But here, um, no, they should respect your your privacy and your modesty at all times for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's. It's something I can kind of talk more in detail about it with you when we're off mic. Yeah. Um, but it's it's something like it's it's holding it's you're holding it in. And it's 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 a it's a weight. It's yeah. A weight that uh, sticks with me. I can feel it in your sternum. It's like tight. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's a it's a part of you know when I'm sit, when I sit in ceremony I I think about that and. I, let it go i let that go a long time ago i let it go and it still like comes back and i let it go and it comes back and i feel like an idiot when i when i go back my my like my like deep my like deep seated damage is anyone ever implying that i'm not intelligent like i've always like i was always in special ed when i was a kid so I always have like that, oh, you're, you're stupid. You belong with the dumb kids, that mentality. And like, I was, you know, that was like part of the, the idea. And I've always tried to like 
pull out of that. And I think I've evolved past it a lot. But the, there's always like not Our, being good enough or not being smart enough. So it sounds like uh, that trigger of that root chakra, because that's the area we're talking about. The root chakra holds fear, and it's the one that's closest to our physical plane. So um, it manifests kind of quickly in the dense world. Um, but when a circumstance like that happens, it re-triggers traumatic childhood events. So part of that triggering sounds like you're going back to that predetermined narrative, I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. Look at you. See how no, stupid I am? I got myself stupid. into this. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're beating yourself up. And I also have the sense that the non-naming of this person, it's almost like it makes it too real if you say that person, the person's name. It makes it like valid that it happened. It it, it, it changes the game, even just uttering that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that we could still continue to work together and maybe get to the point where that power is not taken from you anymore. And uh, earlier in our session, that's was one of your lacking, your lacking places. Mm. And we talked about, you know, your power being gone. So, Mm. well, we'll work through it. It's not impossible. Let's continue to evolve through it. Yes. Uh, Through, through every single episode that I've ever done on this show. I, I close it the same way. And I think you might remember. Do you remember what it was? It has been so long. I usually say. Okay, go ahead. Let's hypothetically imagine that from this point on, the show belongs to you. (laughs) This has been the pilot episode of your first podcast. And let's say from now on, it's called Evolving with Dominique Rivera. Uh Uh-huh. This is the pilot episode. How would... You wrap it up in a Jerry Springer's final thought sort of way. In a Jerry Springer's final thought sort of way? Yeah. Put a little put a little nice bow on it. What this episode's meant. We grow the most from sharing our experiences. And this is how we evolved. So may you all go in love, light, and wisdom to know thyself, love thyself, and remember the divine always has your back. You said that last time. That is my Jerry Springer closing. That is always my closing. I say that for everything. That is my brand staple. Well, this has been uh, quite a vulnerable session for me. I'm sorry that happens when we get together. I appreciate appreciate your time and your effort. Like I say about anybody who's ever put any effort into listening to any of these episodes, if this is your first time, go back and listen to the other 165 episodes. (laughs) I, I pre- dude, the the amount of currency that effort is is insane. Mm-hmm. You're competing with everything else, not just competing for every other podcast that there is. Like, there's what nine hundred thousand other podcasts, but there's Instagram, there's Twitter, there's yeah, there's every streaming service, the whole wide world, streaming services every day. Uh, like Snapchat has their own series now. Yes. Everything's evolving with Corey. So uh, I appreciate the currency of your effort and your attention. If you've given me an hour of your attention. An hour and 11 minutes. I I appreciate one, you. One, one. And I hope you don't feel like uh, like you're all alone in this world. If you feel like you need a friend or you need a resource in some way, not hard to get in touch with. And if you want to get in touch with Dominique, I'll put her links in the description of the episode. And, you know. Be fun, have safe, and keep evolving.
go home, smell you later.